All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, sir. I know you heard my interview there with Daniel Drury, yeah. the UVic student living out of his van. Brought back memories. I actually knew a chemistry student, just by my acquaintance, who lived on a traffic island in Victoria. A traffic island? How a did he big, do that? A big traffic island with bushes and trees, and he was able to set up a, a in the summer or the spring months. Uh, a little tent out of sight, out of mind. I said, you're, you're one drunk driver away from disaster. Oh. Though. Um, but he said, oh, he was, he lived there for about three months. And this was near the university campus? Not that close. It was actually yeah. in Fernwood, which is, you know, a bit of a hike away from, from, not, not terribly far from, uh, from UVic, but, uh, I thought, you know, traffic, I don't, you gotta be kidding me. How long did he get away with that? He got away with several months. He says, what happens? You can't, at that time, he, he could not live in a park. Because yeah, that was policed, yeah, and, yeah. and and you know you get roasted out of there. But nobody, he said, nobody checks a traffic island. <laughs> now you can now you can, just, now you can just camp in the park, so uh, it'll probably yeah. be easier now. But I thought your interview with uh, with the student was quite revealing. Um, yeah. You know, we've got a basement suite, a furnished basement suite in our house. We've rented to students, probably twenty students over the years, yeah. uh, and we always have it below market because I just, in good conscience, can't charge fifteen hundred dollars a month to some student. You know, you and I remember our student days. Everybody's in poverty when you're a student. I don't know how students pay fifteen hundred dollars a month for some of these these tiny places that you cram two or three people in to make ends meet. So it's well, it's, it's, it's an extraordinary situation. It sounded like Daniel was doing okay in his van. I mean, he's paying seventy five dollars a month for a parking pass on campus, and then he kind of scouts around the campus and parks on a side street. Oh, I think it's overnight. A, it, it, he's he's make saving money. I mean, he, yeah. he's he's a student so he has access to the facilities for showers and such. Yeah. You can eat student uh, cafeteria. Uh he's kind of suck after a while though, wouldn't it? I don't think Ooh, a lot better. Yeah, he, than I it think. sounds like he liked it, didn't mind it that much. I'd rather. I think people would rather do that than sign a fifteen hundred dollar check every month for a, yeah. for a tiny little place. Okay, housing expected to be a big yeah. focus in the federal budget, federal budget coming today. up this afternoon. So let's have a listen to conservative leader Candace Bergen. We expect this to be a big spending budget, big yep. deficit this afternoon. Here is conservative leader Candace Bergen. Over the last six years, with every single budget the Liberals have delivered, they have gone further and further to the left, further and further in, in big spending and big government programs, increasing taxes on Canadians, and we are going further and further behind in terms of deficit uh, and inflation. Okay, so yeah, there'll be a big deficit. Inflation's a big problem. She's not wrong. I mean, the, the Liberals have gone to the left to absorb the NDP voting bloc. Uh, now the deal they've got with the NDP will require them to step up some spending on some social programs. I think a big part of this uh, budget is going to be about housing. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have a ban on foreign ownership, foreign purchases of real estate. Yeah, what now, do you think of that? I'm not sure what... I heard your comments before. I think you're right. The the horse has already left the barn, I think, on, yeah. on this issue. I'm not sure it's going to have a much... Yeah, if they had done it like 15 years ago, I think it could have had a difference. It could have had a difference. But I just don't see how it's going to have a huge impact, at least in B.C., maybe in other parts of the country. Um, Tax-free savings account for first-time home buyers is interesting. But again, yeah. you and I were talking off air. You still got to amass a pretty big pot of money to get a down payment on, on real estate in uh, Metro Vancouver or the capital. You can't buy real estate for less than a million dollars. We'll see what the details are in that, but the way it's going to work apparently is that if you're under 40, you'd be allowed to sock away up to 40000 bucks tax-free and then spend it on a first home, which is interesting. Well, forty thousand yeah. dollars doesn't even make a dent in a first home in Metro. Well, it helps Vancouver. you it helps you get a down payment on a condo. 
over a number of years. So it's still gonna you're still gonna have to charge, <clears throat> and I don't think you can find a condo for less than seven hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand yeah. dollars. So you still got to save a lot of money. Um, the housing issue is vexed every government at every level. No one seems to have an answer uh, to this to this riddle. How do you reduce yeah. uh, uh, housing prices? It's gonna be you know people say we need more supply. Yeah. Well, it takes time, and this goes back to um, an ongoing and developing story in BC where you've got the provincial government upset with municipalities' slow pace for approving housing. And David Eby, the housing minister and attorney general, he's he's got a, an itchy uh, trigger finger right now in yeah. terms of going over municipal heads. Yeah. Um, he's talked Take about, over their approvals. He's talked about this, this now notorious case in Oak Bay, nine years of a house, uh, a derelict house, a proposal to tear it down and put uh, housing in there, 14, 14 uh, residences, and Oak Bay Council says no. After Lang- nine years. After nine years. Yeah. Langford, uh, which is just outside of the capital region, well, it's in the capital region, but just on the outskirts, is approving housing at uh, a rapid rate. Oak yeah. Bay, I think, approved 23 developments last year, yeah. which is nothing. Yeah, it, it'll be. we'll see what EB does on that. On the budget, just going back to the federal budget here, now let's have a listen to Justin Trudeau asked about the budget yesterday and about the deficit, the spiraling debt. we got over a trillion dollars in debt in Canada right now. And you'll hear him make, like, this is kind of the common political response here, that you're spending too much money. Have a listen. During the pandemic, yes, we had to make significant investments to support families, to support small businesses, uh, to support the Canadian economy. And what we're seeing right now is that the way the economy has come roaring back in Canada, stronger and faster than many other places in the world, is because we were there to support Canadians kind of answer from the liberals is look we've gone through this pandemic yeah we spent a ton of money we spent billions but we did it to help people through this thing and i think they're they're willing to absorb the attacks from the conservatives on that but your thoughts oh i I, t- I totally agree i mean i, I think the whole uh, you know you go back years ago remember the debt clock the, yeah, the whole sure. debt issue was a big issue politically years ago. It's no longer the big hot political button. Well, the debt clock is still around. I mean, they still bring the debt clock out. Uh, nobody pays trillion attention. Trillion dollars. Nobody pays attention to that anymore. I, I think the whole notion of debt of government debt has ceased to be the big issue that it was twenty years ago because of a number of factors, not the least of which in the pandemic, the notion of balanced budgets went out the window. Well, especially now, if you've got an NDP liberal government, effectively, uh, and you're, you're Trudeau, gonna, Trudeau is promised all these deliverables to the NDP, universal universal pharmacare, national dental, dental care plan, care. housing. It just goes on and on. There's billions. Liberals plus NDP equals big spending. Yeah. And there's no question. Uh, and they're willing to bet that the public will support them on that. Okay, let's check out the uh, leaderboard at yes. the Masters because we talked about this yesterday with Tiger Woods. So Tiger Woods is in tied for... Third? Uh, he's tied for third place, so he's uh, minus one through seven holes and this is this is quite extraordinary like what a comeback story right after that there they were talking about he said they almost had amputated. to amputate his leg yeah. after that car crash this rivals uh you know before our uh, time smitty ben hogan was the big golfer of the time in the, the 40s and 50s uh famously in a car accident said that he'd never walk again and he came back and won the u.s open so uh, tiger woods is walking that line in history so the challenge for him as we talked yesterday 
people, many people don't realize what a hilly course Augusta is. Yep. It's very steep up and down, and that leg of his cannot absorb that type of punishment over four I was days. Listen, I was listening to an interview with him yesterday, and he's talking about his swing is good. They did yeah. some analysis on his swing. It looks perfect. And he said the challenge is re- recovery from the walking. And he said at night, he's got his physiotherapist helping him get the swelling down in his legs. Yeah, he's taking ice baths. <laughs> like, he's, whoa. He's, uh, it's an arduous journey for him. I hope, I think everyone's hoping he makes the cut, which means he can yeah. play on the weekend. But can he get through four? four TV uh, TV networks must love it. Oh, the ratings are go up. Salivating to have yeah. Tiger Woods playing there. The ratings are going to go through the roof. Here's Tiger Woods speaking yesterday about how he's pulling this off. Have a listen. I keep progressing. You know, I've I've been lucky enough to have had the therapist and the physios and and everyone on my team pushing me and, and pushing this body and piecing it back together again. I've had great surgeons that have you know put the body back together again and Humpty Dumpty's glued and um, hopefully good enough. Humpty Dumpty's been put back together. Yes. Well, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting story that hopefully will develop all weekend. All right, welcome back to the show. Keith Baldry is my guest. We were just talking off air about the changes in union certification rules in mm-hmm. British Columbia. And the way this is happening, Keith, now is the BC government is now dropping the requirement for a secret ballot for workers to join a union. The way it will work now is if a union manages to sign up 55% of workers, you get them to sign a union card. You're in, right? You don't have yeah. to do that secret ballot anymore. I mean, so business is, doesn't like it. I'm shocked that the NDP is going to make it easier to form, form a union. Yeah, right. Was shocked. Uh, yeah, so they've got a majority government now. They didn't have this in the previous uh, administration when they needed the support of the Greens. The Greens uh, uh, served notice they would not support that. Yeah. So they had to delay this this maneuver. So, again, no, absolutely no surprise the NDP is moving this. Interestingly, though, I don't think that's the big uh, – that's not the big – lever you can use in, in uh, changing the labor code. There's bigger issues, such as successorship, yeah. uh, uh, for example, is another big issue. And they're not touching the labor code. They're just touching this one aspect of it, which, again, no surprise. They promised they were going to do this, and they're doing it. I don't think it's going to increase necessarily uh, the, the unionization rate to any great degree, but it's going to make it a little easier for some okay. unions to organize in certain workplaces. Yeah, unions are happy. The employers not yep. so much on this one. John and Langley, let's go to your calls. Hey, John. Yes, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Mr. Baldry. I understand our government has now brought down another deficit budget. And I, what I'm getting annoyed with is the fact that this he seems to be spending money like a drunken sailor. And I don't see where these benefits come in. I mean, you know, he's touted so much that I, I personally, I wish we could get rid of him. That's just about all I can say. Okay, thanks. He's doing this country no good. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, well, no government's uh, bringing in balanced budgets right now. Uh, conservative governments are running deficits. Uh, yeah. uh, so parties of all ideological stripes are running deficits. Interesting, bring it back home to B.C. Uh, the year that just ended, the fiscal year just ended, it may actually end up in a surplus budget because it, right now it was it's down to less than half a billion dollars in a, de- in a deficit as of just a few uh, few days ago. But the Auditor General hasn't signed off on the books, and there's a billion-dollar forecast allowance in that budget. If After all the bills are paid, you put that forecast allowance against that you know, 400 and, um, 
million and change deficit, it could actually be in a surplus. Trudeau doesn't seem to be worried at all about a tax nah, on overspending. Not, like every time he's asked about, what about the deficit? What no. about the what about the debt? He's like, hey, we just went through a two-year uh, pandemic, and yeah, we spent billions and billions and billions of dollars to help people with the CERB and everything else. And I think he's willing to just take that heat. And uh, he's willing to take that because he looks at the conservatives and they get who have 33% of the vote, which is a far cry from forming power. Let's go to James on the line of White Rock. Hi, James. Go ahead. Uh, thanks for taking my call, guys. Hey, Keith, I'm just curious to talk about the successive profit tax. Do you think that the major corporations that the Trudeau government is thinking about hitting on this are going to reduce their their uh, uh, profile to the point where they get to the point where they don't have excessive taxes and reduce the amount of business that they do in the country? And my other question is, is is this going to uh, take hold with the banks? Because if you want to talk yeah. about excessive profits, look at TD and RBC. Well, that, Those that's are excessive profits. James, thanks you, thank you for the call. So callers referring to excessive mm-hmm. excessive profit taxes that are expected to be in the budget this afternoon. So the indications are the big banks, okay, there will be some kind of a tax on banks this afternoon, insurance companies, in line to be taxed. I'm not sure which other corporations will be targeted by this well, tax. One of the safest investments always is banks. They make money. They have, and whether you want to call it excessive profits or not, it's an interesting ideological maneuver by the Trudeau government. Uh, hopefully, uh, speaking as a homeowner, and all the rumors have been abounding for some time, he doesn't uh, start taxing the equity in your home. That's one of the fears out there that homeowners may eventually get dinged for their equity or have a cap on it, on the equity they can, they can extract. They from keep the saying property. no. Trudeau, Trudeau and Freeland keep saying no, 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 we're they not going to tax. They keep saying no, but equity. there is a committee studying this within yeah. the finance ministry. So I think, uh, there's always a little nervousness about that, but as from all appearances so far, because we know what's in the budget, and this has been a time-honored tradition. It gets leaked out yeah. uh, for days and weeks ahead of time, and there's been no leak of a home equity tax. No, no. I, there, I don't think there will be a home equity no, tax. I don't think so No, either. no, no. They won't be there. Brian and Surrey. Hi, Mike. Hi, Keith. Uh, yeah, I'm a uh, 21-year realtor here in Surrey, and, uh, you know, this is Trudeau government's, you know, way too late on this whole uh, foreign investment uh, ban I mean, it's talk about, uh, you know, closing the barn doors after the horses are out. And, you know, keep in mind, too, uh, all our provincial governments have been collecting the, that gross amounts of property transfer tax that have been coming in from those uh, boom years we've just experienced. We seem to be coming down off of that just now, but um, it's just all for optics and for the voting public. Trudeau's got to go. That guy's useless. <laughs> okay, thank you, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Um, yeah, it's interesting to get the perspective from a realtor that doesn't think the foreign, the ban on foreign uh, purchasing is going to have much of he an may impact. Not be, he may not be wrong, but you know, it could be a popular measure, too. Like it, yeah. A lot of people would support it. You know, the NDP supported it provincially when they were yeah. in opposition. Uh, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see David Eby's take on it uh, today, post-budget, whether he agrees with it or not. Let's go to Ed in Burnaby. Hi, Ed. you got 30 seconds. Yeah, uh, basically, uh, the ponies out of the barn as far as foreign buyers, but it's a bigger problem, in my opinion, is availability of housing. But, you know, everybody can't live in Toronto and Vancouver. We've got to have somebody living in other cities in this this country where you can buy a home. Mm-hmm. It's just, you see, everybody, we measure everything on the media, Toronto, Vancouver, Toronto, Vancouver. Montreal. We we never talk about the places where 
there is available good housing thank, for young people. Thank you, Ed. Well, young uh, people also have to find a place to work, and that's the jobs are not as plentiful in some of these smaller towns as they are in, in the metro areas.